You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. G'day guys, thanks for listening along to The Perth Property Show. This episode is going to be an absolute blinder. I'm your host, Trent Fleskins. Let's get straight into it. One question that we always get asked is, how should we buy our investment properties in order to do a property development? We've got three options really. It's generally buy it in your own name, buy it in a trust structure, or buy it in a company structure. And today we're going to talk about that top option, buying a property and developing property in a company structure, the pros and cons, why you would and why you wouldn't. And of course, to help us with that conversation is Carlo Bordi from Bordi & Associates. Thanks for coming back in today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me in. Carlo, help us out here. Another interesting topic that is really easily misunderstood. What we're talking about here, let's be really clear, is property development where the intent is to continually churn out properties and get rid of them, isn't it? That's why you go through a company. Oh, look, most definitely. A company structure has advantages, disadvantages. The main advantage is if you are operating through a business structure, in other words, it is your business you're running through and business would be either buying and selling land or developing and selling, well then uh, really the company is the way to go. Why? Well, the most obvious that people are keen to have is asset protection. A company will give you your maximum asset protection. It's not ultimate. It doesn't give you complete exoneration from any, any deed. But or debts or whatnot. Yep. Uh, look, if you've got debts at the bank, they'll still get you. Yep. But if something goes wrong and you've done as a director done the right thing, you've got what's called a corporate veil that gives you some degree of protection from your personal assets. And, and that at least better than nothing. Yep. Um, so that's, that's your first con. Your other advantage is with a company, if, especially if you're going to roll project after project and you're not taking the money out, companies tax it. 27.5%, assuming it passes certain tests. And most of them in this size projects will pass these tests. So, you know, you get to keep 72.5% of what you've made and roll into your next project. The only time uh, that you have to then be mindful of a company is that when you take the money out, then you're going to be stuck with paying what's called top-up tax. Yeah, I mean, it's not like all that income gets to your bank account at 27.5%. At some point, as an individual, and we're drawing that money out, we're still paying for it at the marginal rate, which could be more or less... Uh, depending on our personal situation. Oh, look, absolutely right. And they're called franking credits. And then if the franking credits actually give you a refund, that's fantastic. And the government now is trying to abolish that. It's going to affect a lot of people. Mm. So, so I think they're going to have a bit of a hard time getting that through. But, uh, but on the other side of the coin, most people are in a higher tax bracket, which means that if you're in, the, uh, in a higher bracket, especially the highest bracket of 47 cents, Whatever you're taking out, it's only being taxed at 27.5. You've got to make up the difference, and that's called the top-up tax. Yeah, okay. What about when you're going in with a couple of mates? Is setting up as a company an easier way or a smarter way to start that uh, endeavor? There's different structures you can use, but a company is, it, it, look, it's a simple vehicle. It's got its limitations, but when you're doing it simply for property development and you're going with your friend, with other investors, you then put in different amounts if you want to or you put the same amount in, mm-hmm. and then that dictates what percentage of the business you own. So if one person puts in uh, 50%, the other person puts in 40%, and someone puts in 10%, that's their ratio of profit allocation when profits are distributed. Yep. So it allows you to bring other people into the project. Yeah, yeah. I find that it's, it, for me it sounds more appropriate when you've got non-family members to go in a company and when it's with a family, maybe then having a trust, you can you know, you know can arrange it that way. Look, you cannot use a, a family trust structure when you're having third parties involved. Mm. So trust have their limitations in there, but as a simplistic answer, yes, you, you're right. Let's go over again and really drill at home. You wouldn't be buying a property in a company if your strategy was simply 
a passive hold or even an active development like a small subdivision to then hold? No, definitely not. I mean, uh, the biggest disadvantage with a company structure is it does not have any entitlements to capital gains uh, discounting. Mm. At this current stage, if a, an individual is holding an investment property in their own name, more than 12 months, they get a 50% discount. A company would not get that. And then when it flows through you, you don't get it either. So ultimately, no discount applies, not a good scenario to be in, yep. especially if you can avoid it by having it on a different structure. No help with negative gearing. If a company makes a loss, the losses cannot be allocated. They're simply quarantined. And they sit there until the company turns around and makes some sort of money from some, some source. None of that benefit you're getting from buying as an individual and developing as an individual or holding as an individual are available as a company. And that's why you wouldn't go as a company. But could you, is that, is that not to say that you couldn't do a development in your personal name? Oh, look, absolutely. And a lot of people do. A lot of people are simply in it for one off. They're going to take the money straight away anyway, and they don't have anyone to distribute to. So. If there's no tax advantage by having a, a more elaborate structure, certainly. And, and everyone's different. So you've really got to look at everyone's own individual scenario and decide which structure is going to give them the best result based on a couple of little slight variations if they were to happen. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think it's good to wrap up that pro side by, uh, I guess, a word called intent. Can you explain oh, that? Oh, look, most definitely. The first thing I tell my clients is when they say to me, what structure should I use, that word intent is extremely important. So if you intend to build with the intent of selling and taking the money out straight away, look, you can use the company or you can use a, a, a trust structure. Either will give you the same sort of result. If your intent is to build a rental property, you never use a company structure. You use another structure, whether it's individual or a trust or even a partnership. Yeah. If your intent is to do project after project and roll over the profits, well, then the company, there's no beating it. It sits on its own. Yeah. So I think what it, what that's saying to me, what it's screaming out to me is you really need to understand your concept before you go into that purchase in the first place. Before you sign on the offer and acceptance, you need to know what structure you're going to be buying it under. You can't go back and change that ownership. You can't go back and change that offer and acceptance after it's, after it's oh, settled no, without having to go and pay stamp duty that's and right, all that. Yes, that's exactly right. You can, but there are, there are costs attached to that. Exactly. Yes. Yep. yes. Let's quickly talk about those negatives again on buying in a company. Well, the, the biggest negative, it, it only works in a situation where you are not investing in property. So investment means a rental property. So if you're not uh, buying it to hold the rental property, that's a negative. Yep. Obviously, if you're taking profits out straight away, there's a top-up tax. And the other thing is a company is the most expensive vehicle that you're ever going to buy, not only in the initial setup, but also in maintaining it with ASIC fees and filing fees and, yeah. and all the other uh, associated statutory requirements. Uh, they're not a cheap vehicle. Yeah. Uh, but look, they have, a, they have a, a means to an end and yeah, they, they do work. Well, really, if you're thinking about it being a small version of those developers you see when the big signs on the main streets, if you're thinking of doing that at a small level, then a company is the right way to go. It's the most efficient. It's going to give you those benefits and you're not going to be affected by any of the negatives. You know, missing out on things on the personal that the personal side has. But if you're simply looking to make some money as an active development and then hold that because you think it's a good hold and just treat it like a normal property investment, then really there are too many benefits from buying in a personal structure that outweigh the, the benefits of a company to really think about investing in that company in the first place. Is that, is that a good way to sum it up? I suppose the other way to say it is to get the discount of the capital gain, the capital gain needs to be either in a trust structure or an individual's name. Mm. If it's in a company structure, you void that discount. That could be tens of thousands of dollars just from that one decision. Oh, absolutely. Very expensive exercise. Carlo, thanks for coming in today and chatting company structures, property development. 
I will have you in soon again. Nice being here. Thank you. Okay, so this week we are talking about Hillary's uh, suburb spotlight centres around this coastal suburb. And to talk about that, there's only one lady we can talk to, and that's Linda Noble from Noble Avenue. Linda, thanks for coming into the studio to chat about this fantastic suburb. Ah, thanks for inviting me in, Trent. Let's talk about the main draw card straight away. If you haven't heard of Hillary's Boat Harbour, you certainly haven't heard of the suburb Hillary's. Tell us about when that was first set up and what that brings to the suburb generally in terms of lifestyle. Hillary's Marina opened in 1987. It is a draw card. It's great for young families. It certainly brings the tourists in and um, and it just offers a good lifestyle. Restaurants, um, bars, cafes. It's, it's definitely a crowd pleaser for, for Hillary's. It's a safe place to swim for young families, but it's also a bit of a haven for those beautiful expensive boats uh, around the northern suburbs of Perth. I think that the boat harbour really does represent what the suburb does in that you can buy in at an affordable price, but you can also live quite a luxurious lifestyle. Real estate-wise, the properties range anywhere from 400000 to to $4 million. So therefore, you know, families can stay. They're upsizing. Older people are selling down and downsizing. They want to stay in the suburb that they brought their kids up in. And it, it offers a very diverse lifestyle across a large price range. One thing you did note there is that downsizing opportunity. I guess it has, hasn't been until recently where a bit of urban infill is happening, where those people who have been in the suburb for 20, 30 years now have that option to move into a slightly smaller and newer uh, lock and leave lifestyle too. For sure. You know, the housing opportunity area is offering those people, they're selling their four by two homes on 700 plus square metre blocks. They're getting a bit of equity out of the home, enabling them to stay in Hillary's at a smaller, you know, three by two, like you said, uh, lock up and leave lifestyle. 684 square metre blocks uh, in that area can now be subdivided into R40 and in some cases R60. And therefore, they're affordable options for them to uh, to downsize w- without having to move away from the suburb that they know and love. Well, that's really important. What we find so often these days, it doesn't matter what socioeconomic level you exist in in Perth, people generally just want to live where they know and where they enjoy, where they've grown up and where their family is. So to do that in a place like Hillary's where you've got so much spectrum of opportunity of a socioeconomic level, I think that's a real draw card. And as we said before, the Boat Harbour, fantastic place to just enjoy that beach life. I think if you're in Hillary's, it's because you love the beach, right? For sure, you know. Um, but, you know, there's also Whitford Shopping Centre has undergoing uh, recently large um, development. We've got movie theatres there, gold class, restaurants. The schools, I think definitely the schools are a big draw card for the suburb. So there's, there is a lot to offer. There's a fantastic... Fantastic high school, isn't there? Um, yeah, St. Mark's Anglican School is there and it's from pre-primary or, or kindy now, I think, all the way to uh, year 12. But we're also in the catchment for Duncraig, which is pretty high up there on the list of public schools. So we're also finding a lot of people choosing not to go private. It's a good option for them to go to Duncraig High School. Exactly right. So let's talk about entering into Hillary's. Who are the people who are buying from you? Uh, in Hillary's at the moment these days and can you explain the different price points people can buy into from the cheapest thing that you're selling in Hillary's all the way up to the most expensive what does that look like well I think that the gap to upgrade from suburbs such as Greenwood 
Duncraig, Kingsley. I think the gap for them to jump over Marmion Avenue and, and come to the coastal lifestyle has probably never been so small. Very true. So therefore, the opportunity for them to step up is there and they're certainly taking advantage of that. I think the market that we're in now is that that's best suited for anyone looking for opportunities to upgrade and for sure the price range properties probably average sell price in Hillary's is around 795 8 uh, 810 something like that but um, and most of them are coming in at that level young families four by two homes seeking opportunities to gain some capital growth in the future we haven't uh, we haven't fared so well in that in the last 10 years but Hillary's has got everything that you need and I think they're looking for opportunities for growth one thing uh, that you did mention there is that price point of that four by two how cheap can it get though give me give it to me really specific here in terms of what's the cheapest thing that you could buy is it a is it a three by two villa obviously subdivision hasn't been happening that much in hillary's and on a urban infill scale so there is an expensive price point generally but can someone get in as a young family or a single first homeowner in the you know the four five hundreds and still live a lifestyle yeah for sure you know there's some 600 650 square meter blocks three by ones they're, they're still going in the 500s 550s it, there's definitely opportunity if you're looking for a full-size block that's still on offer there uh, or, or you could go for a smaller block and 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 a newer property, um, you know, around the similar dollars. So mid fives, early fives is is, is definitely a, um, a doable starting point for a young family, yeah. Indulge me. How much has Linda Noble sold a property for in Hillary's in the last couple of years? What's your what's that max you're seeing in Hillary's? Um, th- look, a few years back now, three million eight hundred was the second highest sell price home that we've sold in Hillary's. I think the highest price that's ever sold is four million eight hundred in Harbour Rise. Uh, that was bought by a Singaporean purchaser with ocean views and, and great opportunities. The sell price, you know, really is it, it, it's whatever. A buyer wants to pay at that point it is isn't the, it? Yeah, yeah for sure would you say that most properties are around that sub million mark in hillary's yeah, at yeah, the moment yeah for sure you know it's 850 to 950 is where where our main business is spot. at this moment yeah. yeah for sure look it's one of those markets where i think a lot of people obviously still think their property is worth than it is or the their mortgage is pretty close to what the reality is for sales are you finding that you got some people that are maybe holding off to selling and that's tightening that supply in the market? Uh, 100%. The supply level is low because I think the seller's realising if, if they don't need to sell and they're not prepared to meet the market, they're probably not going to get the result they're looking for. And therefore, if it's an option for them to sit and wait, then uh, that's that's what they're planning. That's what they're doing at the moment. Development opportunities. Now, you spoke a little bit about the zoning there. City of Joondalup, three, four years ago now, obviously started to bring those zoning changes in. What sort of urban infill are you seeing as an as an outcome? Are we seeing townhouses, villas, I guess broader uh, estates coming in closer to the harbour? What are you seeing as the renewal point in Hillary's? I think for the first time we're actually seeing apartments, you know, like multi-storey level apartments. That's that's definitely new. Are people taking that up? They are. Two by ones, two by twos. That's something that is new. 
is new to Hillary's. We, we haven't had that on offer before. What we're seeing is, like I said, a lot of people looking to stay in the suburb and downsize. So they're getting to the, you know, the 250 square metre blocks, three by twos or two by twos. They still would like a double garage because they still want that single level dwellings are something that I think are fetching a premium price at the moment because of the age demographic that's buying that's the older person looking to uh, keep everything on one level mm, the stairs can be an issue for sure you know or if they're if they're building they need to build more of these with the master down uh, they would probably sell better but often the size of the land is not enabling them to <laughs> to fit them on the yeah. block are you seeing a lot of people taking advantage of the corner lot bonus in Hillary? Is there many people developing on a corner lot? Yeah, you know, anything over 700 square metres on a corner uh, can now be subdivided into two. And there's definitely developers that are taking advantage of that. We've got a couple of those on our books at the moment. Mm, I would have thought, given the street frontage appeal, they'd really uh, sell at a premium, make a healthy profit for even those owners who up until recently didn't realise that was an option for uh, making the most of their property. For sure, for sure, yeah. I think that that is a, one of our better opportunities because the corners are anywhere, do you know, on any corner over 700 and it's obviously offering two street frontages and, and that's always preferred as opposed to uh, front and back. Where do you see Hillary's being in the next 10 years? Do you think we're moving more towards that cosmopolitan apartment style, townhouse style life and more away from the 600 and something square metre blocks? Or do you think people will still be valuing that uh, bigger backyard in, in a suburb like Hillary's as well? I think that uh, they'll still be valuing that larger block to have a backyard or a pool and grass. Mm. Uh, that's still high demand for young families. A lot of I pools think. in Hillary's. A lot of pools. <laughs> a lot of pools in Hillary's or room for pools. Mm, yep. Yeah, I think that we're attracting a different audience for the smaller properties that you're referring to. Uh, but I still think at the end of the day, Hillary's is going to be a family suburb. They 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 want a backyard and 600 plus square meters block is generally what they're what they're looking for last question it's the median house price question you spoke about it before being that high 700s early 800 space i didn't ask you though if you had that money in your pocket today what would you buy personally I think undoubtedly I would choose block size first. You'd get into a good 4 by 2 so I'd go with a 4 by 2 double garage, 600 plus a square metre block. I still think that the value is, is in the land. Linda Noble, thank you very much for popping in. A nice quick opportunity to have a look and put a spotlight on Hillary's. Hopefully we've got some good news coming into the future for what I think is going to be one of those real uh, mainstays and pushes in, in the next uh, cycle for uh, some of that more uh, higher end spec property to continue to take over most of that area, given the views, given the lifestyle that Hillary's uh, achieves. Thanks, Trent. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!